The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, we're in Iowa this week for the murder trial of Michelle Boat, where Boat took the stand to testify in her own defense for the fatal stabbing of her romantic rival, Tracy Mandeval. Court TV's Ted Rollins joins me to discuss her testimony and whether or not Michelle Boat helped or hurt her cause. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. And this is going to be an extremely interesting episode of the Court TV Podcast because we had something happen at Court TV that doesn't happen that often. First, we had a criminal defendant taking the witness stand in her own defense. That's rare. And then she got up on the witness stand and admitted to killing another human being. Unbelievable. Unbelievable moment. And and the reason she was doing that is that her defense is not that she's not guilty. Her defense is that she's guilty of something else. Her name is Michelle Boat. She's been charged with the murder of her estranged husband's new girlfriend. They've charged her with first-degree premeditated murder, but the defense is alleging manslaughter, something less than first-degree murder. And, and to do that, they've got to demonstrate that she somehow just snapped in the moment. It wasn't something that was plotted and planned. So... Um, the testimony that she gave is, is crucial and critical. It's the it's the only chance she has because the prosecution case overwhelming on, on many different levels when it comes to uh, the evidence that they gathered. So let me bring in Court TV anchor Ted Rollins, who joins us. Ted, really an, an interesting opportunity for us, right, to have a an admitted killer get up on the witness stand and, and tell her story. Yeah, it, it started from the very beginning of the defense opening statement to the jury saying that she did it and, and we want you to punish her. We just don't want you to punish her with first degree murder. We want you to come in here with a, a little lower sentence, basically is what they're saying. It's all about sentencing, which the jury is not supposed to be involved in. But that was the strategy from this defense team. And I don't blame them because frankly there's so much evidence against this defendant that there was really little other opportunity the state did not offer a deal to this defendant um this they're rolling the dice here that's it's exactly what they're doing and they're asking for some jury nullification asking jurors to ignore the law and feel bad for michelle boat because her husband left her and left her for another woman and that's the woman that she killed and the the for, for me, this is so unusual because we've had it maybe one other time where we've had someone get up on the stand and, and admit to the killing and, and want to get up there to tell their story. And for me, I kind of had an idea from the beginning that Michelle Boat is the type of defendant who would get on the stand, one, because of the legal defense that that they had to put forward in this case because of the overwhelming um, eyewitness testimony, forensic evidence, et cetera, plus motive. Um, but she also wants to tell the world her story about how her heart was broken by her husband who left her. So let's listen to a little bit here of um, Michelle Boat describing 
how what she describes as a fight went down when she confronted the woman who was now sleeping with her estranged husband. And so what's happening now between you and Tracy? We were, she was hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. And I had my hands up. She's yelling at me. And I just, I just snapped and I grabbed the knife and I just stabbed her and I dropped the knife and I went around back around the car and went home. Now, to give a little context here, Ted, I mean, if you listen to that and you don't know where all of this is taking place, you might be, oh, okay, they got into some sort of a fight and there happened to be a knife there. But she had been following her in her car and confronted the, the victim in her truck. So why was the knife there to begin with? Yeah, and the prosecution set it up saying that she was a hunter that she was literally hunting her prey, Tracy Montebaugh, because she was sleeping with her estranged husband. And the facts support it. Like, you know, sometimes you hear a narrative in the open and the facts sort of support. This one is pretty clear. She has rubber gloves on when she commits this. She puts on the rubber gloves, of course, before going towards the victim. And she has a knife with her and she's been following her around town. It, it just, it boggles your mind on some level that the defense could possibly be successful. But again, what they're after is for someone on the jury to say, my goodness, I do feel sorry for this woman, what she's been through. This was a complete shock. She lost her husband and she just lost it. I was looking for more from the def for, from the defendant. I thought that she absolutely um, lost the jury, but you never know. You never know. Well, how, how about a, a, a little remorse? Just a little, maybe just a dash of remorse. But as, as she's testifying and telling her story, and even on direct, there, there's, there's nothing to say, oh my goodness, I, I took the life of another human being. I killed some, I snapped and I killed someone. I can't believe I killed someone. I'm so sorry. But, but to me, it was so evident that she wasn't sorry that, this, that Tracy was dead. That there was, and there's an opportunity to do it. Most criminal defendants can't be remorseful because they're telling the jury, I didn't do it. But she's telling the jury I did it and has zero remorse. Uh, I want you to listen to this part now. Uh, again, this is at the confrontation. She had been following uh, Tracy Amandabaugh, the victim, for a while, saw her kiss her estranged husband after they had Burger King for lunch and then followed her back. And that's when she confronted her as Tracy Amandabaugh is seatbelted in her truck. Take a listen. I got out because I wanted to tell her. I wanted to tell her how much I wanted him back. And I wanted her to leave him. And I got out of the truck. 
I mean, I got out of the car and I went around to talk to her. And I opened the truck door and she started hitting me and screaming at me. Was there anything else that you noticed when you opened the door to the truck? Yes, it smelled like smoke. The truck smelled like smoke and we had purposely quit smoking to buy that truck. That's what the money we used to pay for that truck. To me, that little detail, Ted, the truck smelled like smoke speaks volumes about how much she despised this woman and, and everything that she had done sort of is symbolized by the smell of smoke in the truck that they had purchased together, her and her husband, uh, and they quit smoking to help pay for this truck. And now all of a sudden she's with this woman and it smells like cigarettes. Well, the defense wants the jury to know, and this boggles my mind because I think it does not work for them. They want the jury to know that she is completely mentally unstable. They're almost bringing Glenn close to life from fatal attraction on some level, because when she's up there talking about this stream of conscious, she's going through the emotion. She's so upset when she watched them kiss, crying. All right, then you're like, oh, okay, she's a little off her rocker. The defense then brings up the fact that she was hospitalized for seven days as a point that the jury should consider. And then the smoke saying that this sent her over the edge. Um, that to me was a miscalculation by the defense thinking that that would produce some sort of empathy. But the bottom line is, you don't want Glenn Close walking around Pella, Iowa in just a few years after this situation. And um, that's why I think they, they dropped the ball. There was an opportunity, to your point, if she got up there and said, I lost it, I am so sorry. I had, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. I am a housewife, a mother of two, 20 years of marriage. I don't know what happened, but she didn't do that. She did not. And And the thing was, I felt like for the most part, she's being relatively honest with her emotions and feelings, not so much with all the facts. Right. Um, but with the emotion to me was so real and so raw as she testified. Let's take a listen to a little bit more. Michelle, you were getting hit by Tracy before you even grabbed the knife. Is that right? Yes. Several times she hit me. And the contact that you were having with Tracy's ex-boyfriend, through April 24th, you were encouraging him to try to reconcile with her, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was hoping that they would reconcile because he said on Facebook that he loved her. I assumed that that was reciprocated from her side too, that she loved him too, but that's what I was hoping. That's a little twisted right there. She's trying to get her husband's new girlfriend back with her ex-boyfriend and doing this stuff through Facebook. I mean, to me, this is more of the obsession, uh, the, the as you said, the fatal attraction of all of this. It, it's unreal. But the fact that 
she says she was getting hit before she grabbed the knife. To me, that part doesn't make sense because we know we've got bloody rubber gloves as well. And I was just going there to talk to her. Uh, no, you weren't. You, you were past that point already, and you just seen them kiss each other, Ted. To me, that was the tipping point. Yeah, when she recounted it, to your point earlier, the honesty of her testimony comes through, but it's her honesty and her um, her feelings, which are so off base, which projected and, and pushed her over the edge. She witnessed them kissing and lost it. She cried on the stand talking about it. She cried when other people talked about it. When her husband was up there, the, the most emotional she got was when he testified, oh, yeah, and I kissed her goodbye. Oh, she was almost on the floor crying because she was reliving this and wanted the jury to know that she had been through so much. And yes, did somebody die? And was that unfortunate? Yes, but I, Michelle Boat, have been through so much. You have no idea. And that's what her goal was in this trial. She wants to connect with the jury. And to the point of her claiming that she was being hit, the victim, Michelle, or Tracy Mondebach, was belted in. She had a seatbelt on. So how could she have taken control of this fight um, without Michelle Boat presenting herself inside that car? And, and that really lost, I think, the jury because her testimony doesn't comport with the physical evidence. No, it doesn't. And it's and it's uh, a great job was done on cross-examination. So when we come back, we're going to play for you uh, pieces of the cross. And this, uh, I'm a former prosecutor. This is the prosecutor's dream. You've got a, an admitted killer on the witness stand trying to minimize uh, the level of their killing. And you, as the prosecutor, have lots of facts uh, in your pocket and an opportunity uh, for the ultimate cross-examination. We're going to listen to that next. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. This was at least the third time you wanted to have the woman-to-woman talk with Tracy, right? I don't know what Well, What do you mean? I'll tell you what I mean, ma'am. You talked to her via Facebook and said, leave my husband alone, right? Yes. And then you confronted her at Vermeer, and you said, I'm only gonna tell you once, he's mine, right? <laughs> Yes. So now this was the third time, and this time you brought a knife with you to that conversation, right? No. That is the cross-examination of Michelle Boat by the prosecutor Ed Bull. Tactfully done. I mean, he's he's not trying to destroy her by screaming and and being uh, over the top. He is just literally sitting back in his chair because of COVID restrictions. No one's moving around the courtroom, sitting back in his chair and just tearing her apart in such a matter of fact way. So effective, so laser focused. Um, 
Ed Bull really impressing me with his cross-examination. Uh, it, Ted, Ed really, uh, you know, I've never seen such a great cross-examination done while sitting back so comfortably in your chair at council table. Yeah, normally uh, you're up running around, and especially in a, a case like this, you'd be in the defendant's face and being told to move back by the judge. But um, Ed Bull takes control of the courtroom. I've seen him in action before in Iowa. He's a confident, well-prepared prosecutor that knows exactly where he's going. And he was able to set a few traps for Michelle, uh, Michelle Boat. Um, and more importantly, to your point, keep it civil and effective and tight. And it was laser focused. He really picked her apart and got the jury thinking about the most important things. And that was all of the evidence which leads towards premeditation. Right. That's his that's his goal in, in the cross-examination is to prove to this jury that this woman did not just snap in the moment. She plotted and planned, had time to cool off and had to take all these steps to um, kill Tracy Manavon. And and very, very effective. I was really impressed because sometimes at court TV, you know, we you see prosecutors because they rarely get the opportunity to cross examine uh, many witnesses, uh, rarely get to cross examine the defendant. And sometimes they're just not prepared for the moment. But that's not Ed Bull. One hundred percent prepared for the moment. Let's take a listen to a little bit more. And you told us you put the clothes away and you hid the gloves, right? Yes. And where's the knife? Under the sink in the bathroom. You took a shower? Yes. Because you were trying to wash away the evidence of your crime. And I was trying to calm down, yes. And then the police knock on the door. On the window, yes. And you answer the door? Yes. And you're not crying, are you? No, I was trying to calm down. And then you went to the police station? Yes. They asked you questions. Yes. You denied knowing anything about Tracy's killing. Yes, I did. They asked you multiple times to tell you, tell them your side of the story, right? Yes. And then the police tell you, Tracy has been hurt seriously, right? Yes, yes. And your response was, God works in mysterious ways. Doesn't he? Yes, I said that. Wow. Uh, I mean, just walked her through it, did all the things you're supposed to do in cross-examination, and then finished it up with God works in mysterious ways. I mean, I can picture her saying that. And, and, and she doesn't say it on the stand. It's Ed Bull does it through his cross-examination. This was just great. She, she's on the yes train to all his questions, and then... Boom! Uh, hits her with with what gets to the the ultimate question, which is her state of mind, how she really feels about what she did uh, when when she stabbed uh, Tracy to death. Yeah, he absolutely set her up. He had that in his back pocket. He knew exactly how he was going to finish that line of questioning, and he did it very expertly. In, in the way he was able to take her. You know, basically her shtick is I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm crying, I'm crying and feel sorry for me. And then to lay that down and say, isn't that what you said? God works in a mysterious way. That's so deep seated and it is so sinister that the 
the image of her blubbering on the stand and crying and feeling bad to that image of a wry, maybe a little smile on her face when she delivered that line to investigators. Uh, it just was a mic drop moment. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. And and you said something very interesting because she is, and and, uh, and through her testimony, trying to convey to this jury that she is a victim, that she's been victimized, not by her husband, but by this woman who was with her husband, that she is a victim of the woman who got the knife through her heart. And that is a, I don't think she realizes that. I think in her mind, she sees herself as the victim of all of this. She, she does not see the woman who is dead as the victim, Ted. And I think the jury possibly fell into it during the open, during the beginning part of this trial. And when the medical examiner took the stand as the final witness for the state of Iowa, it all came home to see the victim and the injuries that Tracy Mondebach suffered uh, through no fault of her own. She was searching for love on Facebook and landed with Michelle Boat's husband. And the jury was able to see the damage that this woman inflicted on the victim. I think that was a pivotal part of this to bring the victim to the forefront. Uh, they did it again in the closing arguments. It just expertly done by the state of Iowa, the way they structured their case in the presentation. So ultimately, as we've been saying throughout this podcast, the, the ultimate issue here in this case is whether or not um, she acted with this sudden, irresistible impulse, right? You, you, you snap. You and, and the classic example is you come home from work and you open the door and your spouse is in bed with someone else and you immediately act and you, uh, you know, kill either your spouse, their, your spouse's lover or both of them. And that's the, the, the classic, um, you know, sudden passion, like uncontrollable moment. Uh, but what the prosecutor had to do was was point out that this was not that at all. In fact, this was the opposite of that. Take a listen to more of the cross-examination. So you had the time to step back, analyze the situation, and grab a knife. No, sir. I snapped in my mind. I was out of my, I was angry and I was hurt and I was, so you, I snapped. And I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. That's what happened. I don't, it happened so fast. You well, know, it wasn't like I was analyzing anything. I had both of her hands in my face hitting me. She's yelling at me. You know, they're living in the apartment that he and I lived in when we were very first together. She's smoking in the truck that we bought together. And all those things just bubbled up, and she was the person standing between you and her husband, your husband. Right? At that moment, I lost control of my mind. Yes, I snapped in that moment. 
So to me, it's it, it, what I hear is someone who sort of understands the legal standard that she's trying to prove through her testimony, which is I snapped, but doesn't see the big picture of, of, of what happened here. And she goes back to their living in, in my apartment. She's smoking in my truck. What? Uh, and she doesn't realize how the rest of the world hears that because in her mind, that is, that is her once again as the victim, Ted, the victim. They're living in that apartment. They're smoking in the truck. Yeah, and, and the defense wanted this. I don't know that this strategy would work, could work. Um, I would have stayed a million miles away from the smoking tail, but they set it up, told her to talk about it. Uh, the fact that she lost it because they were this woman was smoking puts her on a totally different level, and it's a level that the, the folks in Iowa don't want that individual walking around free. So I think they're going to come back with a first-degree murder. Guilty for her. And Ted, you know, you, you bring out a, a great point, as you always do. Right. Um, the, the danger. Right. You, you see this woman, you see someone who is so unhinged, you know, you, you find her not guilty or you find her guilty of something less then she's free. What's she going to do? Because her husband's still alive and he's going to probably have another relationship with another woman. I mean, that, that can't be lost on the jury, that Nick Boat is still out there. And, and the fact that he, he lost Tracy um, doesn't mean that he may find love again. And then what happens if she's free? Yeah, or if she moves next door to me in Pella, Iowa. It's a small town. I wanted to see her in the culvert drive through. Uh, I just think it's, uh, it was a miscalculation by the defense to promote the wackiness of her motivation. They should have kept it. Um, they should have kept that out as much as possible. Yeah, but she is what she is, and and they have no defense. They're really, I mean, it, it was the only it was the only play. And at at a, at a certain point, a, a criminal defendant who's done what she's done is going to be who she is, and I think that's what the jury got to see. So for me, it, it, it's good because I want the jury the the trial to be a search for the truth, and I always think we get a lot closer to the truth when we hear from the defendant uh, themselves. And in this case, we heard from Michelle Boat, Ted Rollins, Court TV anchor. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I know uh, we're currently in in a verdict watch as we're recording this, so I know you're on pins and needles as we speak. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Vinny. All right, folks. So when we come back, I, I'm I'm going to talk about. You know, we talked about what they didn't do, but what could have been effective here and, and how this should have played out for the defense if, in fact, this was someone who snapped, if, in fact, this was someone who who lost control in a moment. And uh, I'll give you my take when we return. Renowned journalist Ashley Banfield takes you behind the scenes of the most compelling cases in history. This is the new chapter in true crime. Judgment with Ashley Banfield. All new episodes Sunday nights at 8 on Court TV. So for Michelle Boat, testifying at your own trial where you're admitting killing another human being there's really only one way to be successful. And, and, and ultimately, the jury has to make some connection with you. The jury has to believe you. They have to like you. 
and not love, and and I'm not saying not like, but or, or or agree with what you did, but understand that you are more than that moment, right? And and this trial is about the moment where she took the life of of Tracy Mandelbaum for Michelle Boat. That's what this trial is about. But to be successful as a criminal defendant taking the stand, you have to bring to this jury more than that moment. And and Michelle Boat didn't do that. There, there's. It's very one dimensional. And unfortunately, I think that's actually who she is. I think her entire life came down to focusing on this, on on trying to uh, recover from losing my husband. And the the way to do that is to get rid of this woman. And then everything is going to be great in the end. Whereas to be successful and, and to convince a jury that you lost it in that moment um, they gotta like you. Is is there is there anything more to your to your world? Like like how about beginning with the remorse that we did not hear, feeling sorry for 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 the crime that you committed because you're admitting you're committing a crime, and then then to admit to this jury that you were in the wrong and the victim was not in the wrong and she never did that. This is what I mean. Admit you should not have taken someone's life. Don't turn it into self-defense because it wasn't. You're wearing rubber gloves and you brought a knife and you were following someone all day long and you had left threatening messages uh, on on your husband's voicemail and you had uh, confronted this woman twice before. I mean, all of that is real and is part of the case. So don't try to turn this into some sort of minimization of the moment. The moment is what it is. You took a knife and put it through her heart. Accept it. And then admit to the jury that it was wrong to do. And if you could go back in time, you wouldn't have done it. And that the victim did nothing wrong. That it wasn't her fault. But she never did that. And 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 I think the reason she didn't do that was she's incapable of doing that. And she did not become someone that you could like or connect with. Because all you know about her is this unreal, jealous rage. That's all she is, a one-dimensional character and person inside that courtroom. And someone who is like that, presents herself that way, is not someone that is going to get the benefit of anything from a jury. Why would they? You'd have to paint a much more complete picture and admit to what you did. And she never did that. And, you know, the whole story, obviously, and all the, a lot of the trials, if not all the trials on Court TV are sad in different levels. This one's extremely tragic because this woman lost her life and then families are torn apart and, and worlds are turned upside down. And it's all because of this uncontrollable, jealous rage that was was handled absolutely in the wrong way by someone who this jury sees as who she presented herself to be on the witness stand. So as we're recording this, folks, the, the, the jury is deliberating the case. I don't think they're going to be out long. Evidence overwhelming, physical evidence, forensic evidence, all those pieces presented to this jury. So the only thing left was to hear from the defendant, to, to, to plead her case to the jury. And she just couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. But I'm glad she took the stand because as I told Ted, a trial is and always will be a search for the truth. 
And the truth was revealed when Michelle Boat testified. I'm Vinny Politan. Make sure you check the show notes. We've got links to uh, a lot of the clips and evidence from the trial. Uh, fascinating to watch her testimony, uh, not just listen to it, but watch it as well. Of course, you can see it all on, on CourtTV.com. What a case. What a rare, rare moment. I'm Vinny Politan. If you don't know, Court TV is a television network. We are on every day, 24-7. My show, 8 to 11 every night. Um, if you have a digital antenna, please rescan it so you can get our signal and enjoy the programming and take a look at what happens in courtrooms across America each and every day. That's it for this week. I'm Vinny Politan. As always, I'll see you next week. In the meantime, don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.